It's time for me once again to invite you to join us on Facebook Live. Morning Brew is the page if you are a sports fan or would like to be one as we say hi to Danny Hicks for this week's Sports and All. Good day. Good morning. What's occurring? Uh, thanks. Yep, not bad well, at all. Quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Quite a lot. Um, it's been a busy morning, me chasing uh, stories. My in my day job as a as a sports editor for a AFP uh, news agency. But uh, yeah, we've got some big breaking news this morning that uh, South Africa, the World Rugby Champions, have announced today that they're pulling out of the Rugby Championship, the Southern Hemisphere Championship, mm-hmm. due to start next month in Australia, where they of course would play uh, Australia, New Zealand. And Argentina, Four Nations Tournament, to sort of decide the best of the Southern Hemisphere. And we're all looking forward to it because they finally got it on. It it should have taken place in sort of June, July, but uh, been rearranged. But South Africa today have, um, must said, not unexpectedly pulled out. Um, They're very undercooked as a team. South Africa domestic rugby only started again last week. So Mm -hmm. they're going in the second weekend of domestic rugby this week. So their players haven't played at all since the shutdown in March. Um, they've had no test rugby since they won the World Cup, was it, just about a year ago now, when mm. they beat England in the final uh, in Japan. So it's amazing. South Africa have had no rugby at all since then. And um combination of that, you know, uh, fears of injuries, fears of probably getting walloped by New Zealand and Australia, who are it's a bit more battle-hardened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they fought out a fantastic 16-all draw in... Uh, in Wellington last week, the, the Wallabies and the All Blacks will come on to that in a minute because their teams, the second test, have been named this morning. But uh, to have a combination of that, combination of not wanting to go into quarantine for two weeks on arrival in Australia, they would have had to leave today in order to be ready for their first game. Two weeks quarantine when they arrived back in South Africa. Um, all sorts of logistical problems. Um, I say players not really match fit. Uh, Coach expressing reservations, saying he wanted his players to have five or six games before they go into a test match. That is impossible. Mm. So that all considered, uh, South Africa have pulled out, and it leaves the uh, the rugby championship back as being a, a tri nations, which it was originally before Argentina joined. But now with uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Argentina, um, the schedule for that is will be the the third and fourth Bledisloe Cup games. Australia against New Zealand will take place on the thirty first of October and the seventh of November in Sydney and Brisbane, mm. and then Argentina will join the fray. Uh, they'll play New Zealand on November the 14th. Uh, Argentina will play Australia on November the 21st, then New Zealand again on the 28th of November, and it'll all round up with a uh, match in Sydney against Australia for Argentina on December the 5th. So uh, those fixtures just been announced literally in the last hour or so, uh, and that's uh, a real disappointment for us rugby fans here in in this part of the world and, and all across the world, really, because I think we were looking forward to see how, how South Africa would pitch up. World champions, I'd say, and we, we've not seen them play in, in a year. So all, all, all in all, smart decision in your punter opinion? Well, you know, they could have come over and got absolutely walloped. They could have ended up with players suffering injuries. Let's, right, okay. I think it's player welfare is the, is the key to this. If you're not match fit and you're going into test match rugby against the All Blacks and the Wallabies, who yeah. are, had Hello. their domestic <laughs> rugby seasons, will have had four test matches before you play them. Yep. Um, you're in danger of suffering injuries. The problem for South Africa, as I see it, is where do they get any rugby before the British and Irish Lions tour next year? The British and Irish Lions are due to tour South Africa next summer mm-hmm. under Warren Gatland. 
We know the British and Irish Lions are formidable. Uh, we're all looking forward to this because South Africa, of course, are the world champions. Um, it's going to be a terrific season series. But South Africa now face the prospect of having no test rugby before that Lions tour. That will be 18 months or more without any test rugby going into a three-match series against British and Irish Lions. So I think they're going to be uh, probably trying to work something out with World Rugby and with the uh, Northern Hemisphere sides, maybe, mm. to try and get some some games arranged or some warm-up games or some tests or whatever you want to call it at some point next year when the, when the South Africans are match fit again. Because it seems inconceivable, doesn't it, that the World, World, rugby, World Cup rugby champions uh, are going to go into an Alliance series with no rugby since that World Cup final, uh, like I say, what was that, end of end of October, beginning of November last year, so almost uh, exactly 12 months ago. Mm. And no prospect of any test rugby for them this year. So very disappointed for them and their fans and for us, really, because I want to see how South Africa pitched up. They were terrific in the World Cup. They certainly did a job on England in the final. They beat Wales in the semi-final. Um, and we haven't seen them since. But what we will see on Sunday is the second Bledisloe Cup test in Auckland, Fortress Eden Park, uh, New Zealand against Australia. And the teams for those... Uh, for that has been uh, they've both been announced this morning and uh, some changes for both sides uh, New Zealand first up uh, five changes in their side after that amazing thrilling 16 all draw last week where New Zealand led most of the game and then uh, Australia chance to win it Reese Hodge penalty from 55 metres out in, with, the, with the hooter gone to end the match and he hit the post it could have been a famous win for the Wallabies in, in New Zealand New Zealand going to be smarting from that and they've made a few changes. Dane Coles comes back as hooker. Tupo Vai, who, who did really well coming on a sub last week in the second row. He comes in for Sam Whitelock, who's got a concussion, a head, head injury, and under the head injury assessment rules, he can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb Clark has come in for George Bridge on the wing. George Bridge revealed late last night they suffered a kind of horror muscle injury during training, a chest muscles t- torn. Um, doing some weights, we understand, in training. He's going to be out for at least six months, George Bridger-Wing, who, again, I thought had a great game last week. And uh, Rieko Iowani, uh, the, the, the New Zealand centre last week, who dropped the ball when all he had to do was put it over the try line, which would have been a winning try, as it turned out. He's been rewarded for that uh, faux pas by being dropped. Uh, he's on the bench, and Anton Leonette Brown's come in uh, to the centre. Bowden Barrett, back from injury, as we expected, in at fullback. Uh, so uh, quite a few changes there for the All Blacks, and they're going to be wanting to keep their proud record at Eden Park. You know, they haven't lost the Aussies there since 1986. I mean, I don't think any of the Australian players would have been born the last time <laughs> Australia won in Eden Park. So they, they kind of have uh, too many good memories of it. But there's four changes to the Wallabies as well. A couple in the starting lineup. Uh, Brendan Panga, Amosa, the hooker, comes in, and blindside flanker Ned Hannigan, comes in for Pete Samu, who, who's been dropped from number eight. Harry Wilson will move to number eight for Australia. But they basically kept the same back to perform so well last week to start. And they've kept pretty much the same side. There are a couple of new faces on the bench. Liam Wright, Jordan Pattaya, the flying young winger, who was so impressive in the World Cup last year. He comes onto the bench. So they've got a bit of firepower on the bench as well, the Wallabies. And uh, But they looked really good out wide, didn't they? The, the, the two wingers... Um, Corabetti, who was very effective as well in the World Cup last year, a bustling winger. He played well last week. And Filippo Dalgarno on the other wing, uh, really, really effective for the Aussies. So they've got some power out wide. But what I was impressed about with them was that under the, 
their new coach, who is a New Zealander, Dave Rennie, mm. they seem to play a much more strategic game. They were they were patient. They didn't go all blood and thunder and run the ball all costs, sort of Michael Checker style as they did last year, which served them no good at all during the World Cup. Lost 40-16, of course, to England in the quarterfinal. But 16 all draw against New Zealand. They're going to be full of beans going into that. And then, of course, they go back for the last two Bledisloe Cup tests uh, later this month in Australia. Uh, so they'll want to it's still all to play for with the first test drawn, but if Australia could nick a result, how does that set up the last two games? I mean, terrific stuff. So we're looking forward to that. It's 11 o'clock kickoff Sunday morning, so a good time for us to watch here in Hong Kong. And I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. They're looking at a sellout. They've, yeah. <laughs> unlike other places, they've got they've got crowds there. 47,000 could be packed into Eden Park for that one. That's still it's massive, It's going to be an though, absolute belter. Yeah, it's It's great having the proper crowds because you get the U's, the R's, the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the yeah, just the atmosphere. It, it, it works in the players' favour as well. I think, you know, some of the reason we've seen so many strange results in a lot of sports lately, and we'll come on to football in a minute where we've had none stranger than in the Premier League, um, is because there's no crowds there. There's no, they're not there to G up your side. They're not there to get on your back and, 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 and they're not, it's just strange, isn't it? I mean, well, let's let's talk about the Premier League football. It's back this weekend after the international break. And, um, you know, Liverpool, um, haven't they picked themselves up? It seems almost ridiculous to say this after, you know, they were so all-conquering the last couple of seasons. Champions League winners then won the league by, you know, what was it, 18 points last year. And then they went to Aston Villa, who barely escaped relegation last season, and lost 7-2. 7-2. And now they have to go across Stanley Park to face their uh, their nearest neighbours and, and old rivals, Everton, who are unbeaten four wins from four, top of the league, um, for the first game of the weekend tomorrow. That's going to be uh, 7.30 kickoff tomorrow night, our time. And, um, you know, Everton under Angelotti have just looked superb, haven't they? They've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring goals for fun. James Rodriguez has settled in straight away, the Colombian yeah. who, you know what a good player he was from the 2014 World Cup, but he really seems to have found his feet very, very quickly for Everton. And they're really they're really on an eye-catching run. And, uh, you know, you look at Klopp. I wouldn't say Liverpool go into it as underdogs because they haven't lost to Everton since 2010. But, uh, you know, Jurgen Klopp has somehow, and all his players will have disappeared off for international duty following that 7-2 defeat. So he wouldn't have had time really to say much to them. And now he's got to pick them up with very little time to face the league leaders and their fiercest rivals. But having said that, Jurgen Klopp was trying to take some positives out of that awful defeat to Aston Villa. In some respect, I like it more than losing 3-2 because it's just more clear that 3-2, and we could have lost that night 3-2, um, and then we go home boys go to international teams, we have to, um, we do the analyze, and that's it pretty much. But this is uh, more useful. The, the, the challenge is now, they come, they play the last games on Wednesday, arrive here very tired on Thursday. Um, kind of, we, we've tried to help them recovering, then we have one session on Friday and then we play flying Everton. So that's it. Uh, the team is the most important thing and Gary is here to where did that come from? <laughs> anyway, you got the point there. <laughs> they all want a po- they all want a piece yeah, well, of the fly, pie. Flying Everton, as he said, you know, flying Everton indeed. And uh, you know, another team that's got a 
I wouldn't say Liverpool got to stop the rot, but a team that has got to stop the rot certainly is Man United. I mean, mm. they're dangerous slipping into the relegation zone if they uh, if they lose this weekend, and uh, they're facing Newcastle away, not on. Uh, you know, one of those sides are a bit in and out, but they can they can turn up and, and worry the best teams on the day. Um, that, unfortunately, is 3 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, if you want to get up for that one. But, uh, you know, 6-1 defeat at home to Tottenham. Like, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Tottenham fan, as people know. I didn't see that one coming. I mean, <laughs> and that will probably never happen again as, as long as I live. Uh, Mate, before we move on, let me chuck in a question or a comment from Rick, okay. one of our viewers, right? Now, Rick's a big football fan. He said, do you think defenders are struggling to concentrate without crowds almost counterintuitive, he says? There's, yeah, I mean, there's something going on, isn't there? I mean, you know, the, the amount of goals that are being scored, uh, I mean, it just, it's just frightening. I mean, Liverpool have conceded 11 goals in, in four games, uh, second only to West Brom, who've conceded 13. Hmm. Manchester United have, scored, have conceded 11 goals in, in three games. They've only had three games. And Harry Maguire, you have to say, poor Harry Maguire at the centre of their defence, their captain, is having the most horrendous time. I mean, he started in pre-season, didn't it? When he he had his ill-fated holiday to Mykonos, where he got arrested and and yeah. and all sorts happened, and it just seems his head's not been right since. And and maybe next, right, you know, without the crowds to sort of lift you and get behind you, and and you know, it's all it's just like a verbal kick up the backside when you're doing wrong, and it's a verbal pat on the back when you're doing right, and it's very very difficult. All you hear, you know, as those goals were rattling in from Tottenham against them and, and, and Maguire was getting turned over time and time again and making terrible mistakes. All he would hear is the ball hitting the back of the net, the Tottenham players screaming and shouting and whooping for joy. And it and no crowd to no seventy six thousand Old Trafford fans to, yeah. to pick you back up. Well Rick adds to this and he says, mate, he says, Danny, don't be silly. Relegation smile <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what to United, maybe. Um, no, I can't see it happening. I think, I think they'll turn it around. But I think it's maybe it's time for Harry Maguire. You know, sent off for England midweek. Yeah. Um, I say he had a terrible time against Tottenham. He, the, 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 the first Tottenham goal, I mean, was all over the place. Uh, well, two or three of the Tottenham goals, actually, mm. all over the place. And um, it just looks like his head's gone. I mean, he, He's never been the fastest defender. He's never been the quickest on his feet. He's never been the most nimble. But what he's made up for that, I think, Harry Maguire, and we, we saw it in the World Cup a couple of years ago for England, is his footballing brain. And his his mind gets him into the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Hmm. And if his mind's not there, which it clearly seems not to be at the moment because of everything that's happened off the field and on the field, and his confidence is shot, maybe it's time for almost... Um, you know, almost compassionately for, for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer to turn around and say, look, Harry, have a few days off, uh, get your head right, um, forget about football for a few days, forget about everything that's happened, go and uh, go and take some time, relax, come back refreshed, and we'll start again, you know, with, with, a, with a clear mind. Maybe it's time to drop him, but the problem Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has is that he doesn't have a lot of options in central defence to fill in. He doesn't have a lot of sound ones either. I mean, Lindelof's not really there. You know, they they got rid of Smalling to Roma. Um, so you know, he's and he's really up against it, and he can't afford to lose many more games. As I say, if he loses this weekend, he drops into the relegation zone, and the knives come out even more. So um, you know, it, it's it's a real tough one for Manchester United. They must stop the rot. But on the other hand, I mean, Tottenham lost to Everton first game of the season. Um, 
Everyone's saying, oh, Mourinho's side not out and all that. Well, it doesn't look too bad now. Everton have, have won all four and, and are flying, does it? And um, they only lost 1-0, remember. And they've, they've not lost since. And they had eight games in 21 days or whatever it was. They qualified for the Europa League group stages, qualified for the League Cup semi-finals, beat Manchester United 6-1. And in the meantime, he's got Gareth Bale waiting in the wings to, uh, to rejoin, has rejoined the squad. You know, once the world's most expensive footballer, Tremendously exciting, as we know. It was, was an absolute talisman for Spurs in his first spell there. And um, he could make his second debut for Tottenham on Sunday uh, at home to West Ham. But uh, Jose Mourinho has been talking about Gareth Bale, how they're dealing with him. And he said he wouldn't be drawn on whether the world's former most expensive player would start on Sunday. Uh, the team is the most important thing and Gary is here to... Uh, Gareth is here to, um, to help the team. But at the same time, we care about him. We care a lot about him. Uh, so the decisions we are going to make will be for the good of the team, but also for his, his own good. It's very, very important that he has a, a, happy, a happy season with us. And I think in this moment of his career, that is very, very important. So obviously, Jose, uh, obviously putting the emphasis on keeping Bale happy. Gary, as he called him, he's, he's struggling with his name a bit. It's Gareth, but uh, he called him Gary. Gary, Gary Bale, which we <laughs> should call him from now on. Uh, so uh, he's trying to keep Gary Bale happy, but obviously, first and foremost, trying to keep him fit. I think if he keeps him fit, he will be happy and he'll perform. So uh, might be interesting. He might be on the bench Sunday, mightn't he? Might might see him come on for a little cameo. But uh, a good talking point. And just one more game to mention this weekend. Another absolute cracker, I think, and another team that needs to to get their season started after. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Man City uh, lost 5-2 to, to Leicester as well, didn't they, mm. earlier in the season? So, I mean, it's like goals being shipped by teams you wouldn't expect. Um, they're at home to Arsenal. Arsenal, you know, they, they, they look like they're on the up and up, don't they? They've, they've, they've signed this party who looks a good addition to the midfield. They still need to sort out the Mesut Ozil situation. But uh, Man City-Arsenal, that's at uh, half past midnight tomorrow night. That's another game to watch this weekend. So we've got Everton-Liverpool to kick us off. Yep. Then I'd be watching Man City v Arsenal and uh, and keeping an eye on Manchester United. Probably won't stay out for that one. And then Tottenham v West Ham. Will it be the return, the new debut of Gareth Bale at uh, half past 11 on <laughs> Sunday night? Good luck, Gary. Thank you very much, Danny. We'll do this all again next week. Sports and all right here on The Morning Brew with our mate Danny Hicks.